from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 837, SharePoint News with guest Emily Mancini. Recorded Monday, June 6th, 2022. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Emily Mancini, who's a lifelong learner and is a passionate advocate for seamless user experiences, specializing in information architecture and user experience. She's actually a UX master certified by the Nielsen Norman Group and is the recipient of the MVP Award for Office Apps and Services and a member of the Microsoft 365 Patterns and Practices team. And she thrives on building accessible structures to help people find what they are looking for and better understand their surroundings. You actually believe you can make search work? Is that where you're going? <laughs> Absolutely. I think if you have a strong information architecture and good content, then you can find it. Yeah. Now, you said the magic words, strong information architecture, which turns out to be harder than you think. Definitely. It's it's also not something you do instantly, right? It seems like an, uh, I, we've had this conversation a few times over the years on the show. It's like, this is something you have to work at every day. Oh, absolutely. I think it's always living and growing. And I talk a lot with my colleague, Mark Anderson, about mm-hmm. it. And he always says it's an art and a science. And right. that's probably why I love it so much. There isn't one answer. It's not in a book. There's definitely some creativity that you need to apply to it, and you need to think a lot about your end users and the psychology behind the actions that they're taking. I've found in every organization, for the most part, sometimes an IT person, sometimes an HR person, sometimes, you know, just a PM or something, but they have a passion for that intranet. Like they're just just giving it a little love every so often, and it makes all the difference. Like that just a little bit of improvement, a little bit of editorialization, a little bit more organization. Like it's it's almost like a garden. Like you don't get to do it all in a sitting, but you'd have to tinker with it every so often. And those little bit of things actually grows the community around it that folks tend to go there because they trust it. Yeah, you just actually hit my favorite analogy, especially when you're talking with steering committees and stakeholders on the internet, is this farmer and field analogy. It's this oh. idea that each field is a site, and of course, you're going to plant and harvest, but there's also all of this care and feeding, and there's a yearly cycle, right? And you have to take care of that soil different ways depending on what you're growing out of it. And I think it's really important for people to remember that when they're building their internet, that six-week or eight-week project for implementing one site doesn't mean you're done with it. You have to take care of that site for forever now. Sure. You cleared the field in those six weeks and maybe exactly. did a first planting, <laughs> but it does need renewal. Well, I really get a sense that when folks go to an internet site, they're looking around for, is this alive? You know, is there things going on? And so that, you know, the farming effect is really true there, that if there's routine maintenance going on and, and if there's celebrations of projects completed and like not just uh, a bulletin board of this is where you go for X, uh, then you start to get more people participating. Like it seems to be a self-reinforcing cycle if you do it well. Absolutely. And I think the release of SharePoint News in the past couple of years is helping us with that a lot. Previously, when we just had one type of page where it handled static and dynamic content exactly the same, people had to parse out 
what was something that was new information versus what is something that is always true. Like HR benefits, for example, that's something that's true all year round. But then you also have some special announcements around open enrollment. And I've seen a lot of sites be more successful as their site owners have transitioned off of sharing updates to company emails. And they've actually brought them into the internet where you have one place to find what's changing in the department as well as what's always true for that department too. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, if it, if there's only always true stuff there, then people only go when they need the always true stuff. Exactly. N- new stuff is what will get the regular eyeballs. So the news part's been around for a little while, but what do you, what's special about it? Why do you want that part? So the SharePoint News has a different site column on it in out of the box in the site pages library called Promoted State. Mm-hmm. And essentially what the Promoted State will do, it's two when it's published news, and that will feed into a special web part that we have for SharePoint news. So that's one place that you can see it. So you can put your news on the homepage of your department site and have all of that dynamic content really brought to the forefront for your site visitors. Okay. On top of that, news appears a couple different places too, like your SharePoint start page, as well as that new global nav- navigation. So you can see all of the sites that you have access to rolling up news into one spot. Interesting. Okay. So that's the power of having it as a news part is that that mechanism is just, just built in then after that, that it, that you're telling SharePoint, this should automatically appear in these places. And does it age out too? Like it'll only show the last few kind of thing if you keep on producing new news? Yeah, so there's a certain number of slots in the news web part, and depending on the layout, you can control that or Mm -hmm. not. I like to use top story layout, and that has four. So the newest news post will always show at the top unless you use some additional fancy features like Boost News or manually organize your news. And then it will, I don't know off the top of my head how many slots there are in the global nav or in the SharePoint start page, but of course those get replaced as the newest piece of information comes out as well. Yeah. So a little more sophisticated than just the blog post kind of effect. Absolutely. Yeah. You can, you can have a little more look and I guess that's the power of those parts, right? It's just like, Hey, you're, you're giving hints to SharePoint on how to show this in more creative ways. Absolutely. And I really love the ability to add not just a news post that you're curating in your intranet, but you can also add a news link to an external article and have it appear in your SharePoint. So now I'm, I'm sharing internal and external news in my intranet, truly creating that one-stop shop for people right. to find out all of the information that's going on in my organization. Yeah, and getting and encouraging folks to check in here because there are things going on all the time that are more than just well, how do I get how do I book my vacation? Yeah, in an ideal world, a really successful intranet could be where you start your day every day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's often been the. Rec- the goal, like I, I, we talk a lot about this, what's the sovereign app? What's the one that gets your eyeballs first as you sit down at your desk, whether at home or at work? And it's sort of a race between Outlook, Teams, and a portal site, whatever that portal site may be for your organization, but often SharePoint. Yeah, well, and now with Viva Connections, now that we can bring the intranet into Teams, Mm -hmm. I don't mind it if Teams is the answer, right? because you're also getting your portal there. I think it's going to be really hard to compete with Outlook 
be in the first place you go every day when there's still so much email communication and it holds your calendar. And yeah, for whatever reason, this particular month seems to be a month we're having this conversation over and over again about this is also where you see the stratum of your workforce where younger folks tend not to lean on email first, where older folks do. And so I think it's part of your challenge as an as an intranet shepherd or farmer, I don't know which term we want to use today, uh, to say, how do I make sure that it, I'm including everyone? That if, if, even if your tendency is towards Outlook, maybe I can at least steer you with a link to the portal site to take a look. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, I mean, I'm going to continually talk about SharePoint news because I love it. <laughs> and one of the other benefits of it is that you can create, you can either send a copy of that news post to email, or you can create a news digest, which is essentially like a newsletter of a bunch of different news posts that you pick. And again, send that to Outlook. So you can at least meet people where they're working. And not have to duplicate a lot of work for yourself then. So if I put this stuff into SharePoint news, it's pretty easy for me to compose an email from that. Yeah, it's just a matter of clicks. Okay. So it's going to be putting, especially with that news digest, it's grabbing the thumbnail of your news page. Mm -hmm. It's grabbing the title, making that a hyperlink to the article. And then it's also grabbing um, some teaser text from the beginning of the page. Yeah, okay, that's excellent. And that's exactly what, what you want when you're dealing with, you know, different folks want to get their get their different information different ways. And... I don't want a, someone who who defaults to Outlook to just feel left out either. That they don't they don't know what's going on. Sure. Just because they they haven't gotten quite familiar with that that aspect or that process yet. Uh, any any tips on the news stories themselves? I mean, obviously things around the business. I I love putting in wins and new prod you know the new project stuff that kind of thing. Hires like there's all the obvious ones. But do you do you have a checklist of you know these are things that ought to be in the news for your organization? Ooh, that's a great idea. I know I'm one of the repository shepherds on Microsoft community content, and I know we have an article there about items that should be on your intranet, mm -hmm. but it, I think you just gave us an excellent new article recommendation that we should make one news specific. Yeah. I mean, it's always a question of what should be, what shouldn't be. Like, I, mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in have a place for the water cooler stuff. Because mm -hmm. otherwise it creeps in all over, just like having a Teams channel for that. Like if you don't leave a place for people to let their hair down a little or to be distracted or that water cooler fact, they'll do it anyway. <laughs> they'll just do it somewhere else. But uh, yeah, it is interesting to think in terms of encouraging others to contribute news, mm -hmm. to recognize that what they're doing is quote unquote newsworthy and to have a, a feed for that essentially. So it's not always the same person running every news piece. And, uh, and you get, a, again, a more of a range of voices on that. I, I, that appeals to me a great deal. And if I think in terms of the power of how we strengthen community for an organization that's probably staying distributed, you know, we, the water cooler is hard these days. People aren't in the same building anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, it's not just corporate communications or marketing that mm -hmm. has stuff to say about what's happening in the organization. You have all of these different subject matter experts in these departments who have a lot of interesting information to share. Usually my first tip is to check the emails that you've been sending to company-wide distribution lists. Right. Because those are probably pieces of news. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a good point. And, and, and anybody who wants to send something that way should be immediately like, this could be a news story. This could be a, a channel, although if it turns into be something permanent, then maybe it's a new story that it's been added, but then is linked to 
a fixture location somewhere in SharePoint so that it can be found again and again. I mean, there is this transitory aspect of news that's a bit concerning. Like, is it, it, it sounds to me like if the, only if this stuff is relevant for the next week, should it be news? If it's longer the duration than that, maybe it's a blog post or live somewhere else? That's a good question. Um, so I think part of the thing to remember about these news posts is under the covers, they are still a SharePoint page. Right. So they're going to be there for forever. They are and they're persistent. always going to, yeah, they're persistent. They're just not going to necessarily show up in that web part. So if you have something that is relevant for a longer period of time, sometimes you see a static page be created mm -hmm. and then the news post is just linking to it and giving you the information about why that's exciting or why that's important yeah. and not necessarily the what that's on that static page that's on that, that static you're linking page. to. Yeah. And I think in general, new significant sections of internet being added are all newsworthy when they're added. Yeah. Especially when it's, um, I'm working with a client right now who is working on expanding their human resources content, for example. Mm -hmm. And even though we're expanding on static content, there absolutely needs to be a news update of here's all the questions we've been getting. And this is all the areas that we've expanded that information for you. Right. We've put it in a place where you know you can go find it again. You don't, and more relevantly, you don't need to ask again. Question answered. <laughs> it's over here. <laughs> yeah, to that point, you can use SharePoint News to help with your change management for people to self-service find information in the internet, which I know is another big hurdle for a lot of organizations. Well, I think it's always encouraging people to say there is a place for institutional knowledge, mm -hmm. right? I mean, uh, rather than always ask or always find someone, it's like, can I get you to a place where going to the portal is the first place you look to answer a question and then go to the subsequent paths. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, that are quote unquote more resource intensive. I, I, I do the inbox thing where there are definitely, I recognize that if I'm the quickest way to get an answer, you will keep asking me questions and I'm pretty busy. So I have an inbox folder that says, wait an hour. That is literally <laughs> like, you know, I do have the answer to this. But I want you to try and figure it out on your own. So I'm just going to put that down for an hour or so. Maybe you'll find your own answer that way. Rather than if you're the path of least resistance, you will be the path forever, you know? Yeah, I've definitely been caught there in a, a small organization where we grew from 150 people to 1,500 in four years. And wow. I was there for that. And I changed roles while I was at that organization. So I had a ton of institutional knowledge. And I was maybe a little bit too helpful. So it became a little unsustainable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or at least with your response steering to them, this is where the answer is. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you, but as long as you're the path, you know, as long as you're the path of least resistance, you are going to keep being the path. If that's what you want, that's great. But I, I had other things to do. <laughs> you, yeah, can't, definitely. you can't be there all the time. And so, you know, you start to encourage people to use the tools that are available to you. Think ultimately, this is not a make work project in internet. This is a save time project when it's done properly. I would, I would hope. Absolutely. And that's at least what I promise all of our site owners whenever we start the project, right? <laughs> Go through your email. What are the top questions you have? Let's put it on the site so yeah. you don't have to keep answering them. Yeah. And they can, and people can get, actually get answers faster than, than waiting for you to get through your inbox. And Emily, we're going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. 
This episode of Run As is brought to you by the Azure Data Conference at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, December 4th to 9th. You've heard the data Q&A shows published on Run As twice a week from the conference. That is a microcosm of the six days of fantastic learning available to you from the real-world consultants and members of the Azure Data team that speak at the show. Learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately and gain insight into Microsoft's data strategies for the cloud and on-premises. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance, working in the cloud, and exploring all the new features of the latest versions of Azure Data and Microsoft SQL Server. And if you still have questions by the end of the week, join the conference's closing session and be part of the Data Q&A show on Run As Radio. The Azure Data Conference is at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, December 4th to 9th. Use code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at azuredataconf.com, and I'll see you there. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. This is Emily Mancini. We're talking a little bit about the SharePoint News web part, which it turns out we can talk about for at least half a Run As episode. <laughs> although, although, again, it speaks to this sort of dynamic versus static portions of an intranet yeah, inside of an organization. What do we want to show that's always evolving and, and improving and so forth? So, I mean, it does beg the question, do you do more non-work items as news as well is this where the company picnic shows up or it's so-and-so is doing a fundraiser for x or is that better in another corner i think that's the great debate and i'd say there's a few different factors that weigh into that decision Mm -hmm. we have teams org-wide teams right? right we have yammer we have sharepoint sites we have outlook email i think that it depends a lot on your company size and culture for example i work at a six-person consulting company right it would be pretty hilarious if we had yammer because there's <laughs> six of us we have an everyone chat yeah and it, we just throw stuff in there and it could be work-related. Sometimes it's about a movie and it really spans the whole spectrum, but we're small enough that that kind of noise ratio is totally sustainable for us. Right. But if I was working at a 1,500-person company and I had an org-wide team and my team's notifications were on fire because it was bring your dog to work day, right. I'd be pretty frustrated because I wouldn't be able to navigate to the actual work that I'm getting done in teams. Yeah. And so it, I think it depends on the interaction that you want too, right? Is it a one-way communication or is it two-way? Yeah, and I think you, I mean, we always want it to be two-way now, just the a- appropriate scale of two-way. It is it is difficult if you're putting out a message to a thousand people for them all to respond, or and more importantly, to even feel like they're obligated to respond. So, but I also think rarely do a thousand people all need to know the same thing. Like I think it's I think we abuse the the bullhorn when we have it too. Like it's important to sort of granularize and not, you know, life's noisy enough. Actually, making sure that what you send to folks is relevant. But I guess that's the power of an intranet is I'm not going to bomb your inbox with it. I'm hoping you're going to go take a look at it. And then I guess with the occasional news digest, encourage you to take a look at it because there is things there that are relevant to you. And even better, if you use audience targeting on your pages and in your news web parts, then I can also reduce 
the amount of news that I'm sharing because maybe I have different regions in my organization right. and maybe some people don't care about what's going on, for example, in Europe because you're US based. I mean, we're getting we're getting suspiciously close to like SEO for our internal organization <laughs> here. We're talking about our audience targeting, but it totally makes sense. Like that that those there's topic areas that are gonna be relevant outside of any given you know work unit and so forth, but not everyone. So, I, I mean, what do you got to do to do that kind of audience targeting in, in SharePoint? This one is a lot more work than I think people anticipate because a lot of these audience targeting groups that you're going to use would best be served by information on your Azure Active Directory and using dynamic groups. Hmm. So, they're automatically built off of it. But majority of clients that I work with don't have an Azure Active Directory they can trust. So yeah. they can't do something like dynamic group based off of department or based off of location. So if you don't have that core information in place, it's really hard to make and sustain groups for those audiences. 10 years ago, I couldn't, and I think we did do shows encouraging people to take their AD seriously, to make sure the picture's up to date, to make sure that the gal was up to date, that hierarchy and so forth. But the iPad broke that. I mean, as soon as it was routine for workers to have devices that were not AD joined, we just, the you know, limitations started to crop up. And in 2022, it's very hard to argue to count on Active Directory data. Heck, I'm going the other way. We're starting to talk about what a post-AD life looks like for an organization. So it is an interesting problem to say, where is the company directory? that allows us to target that isn't AD now. Yeah, and you're missing out on a lot of other features in Microsoft 365 too, if that's not up to date. In addition to audience mm -hmm. targeting, you could do away with an employee directory and just use that Microsoft 365 search right. and filter to the people vertical and find people there and all of their information. And that people web part shows the reporting structure so you could have a good understanding of your org chart and how the different departments work. You know, talking to guys like uh, Jeffrey Snover about these kinds of things, they talk about the Microsoft Graft, it's like, shouldn't M365 be able to figure out who needs to see this news story? just by what they know about what people do for work. Like it's, we've almost turned this whole idea on its head that the behavior of people will probably be the best indicator of what audience they really fall into and how they should be targeted. That's a great point. I don't know if it's true yet, right? Like it's, it's an interesting reality that, you know, that, this, that maybe that's actually where we are, that we, we've got to count on the tools to be smart enough now. And I guess that's what Viva Topics is doing a little bit for mm. us, right? Where it's gathering, s proposing subject matter experts on a topic based on their activity across all the different solutions in SharePoint and OneDrive, et cetera. Yeah. So what could we do in, in making things like news parts and such to, to help feed the graph to say, make sure this goes where it needs to go? Ooh, that's a question that I can't answer, but I'd love to hear someone else's answer on. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to get Jeff Snover back. He's supposed to be working yeah, on this absolutely. stuff. Let's go get the tech fellow. The tech fellow should know. <laughs> That's a, yeah, definitely another level of thinking about this because we've, we've turned this on its head, right? I remember, you remember Delve? I think, I, and I felt like Delve fell into that uncanny valley part 
where sometimes we don't want to be reminded of how much M365 can see about how everybody working together when it's just started saying, hey, you're working on a document that looks an awful lot like this other person's document. Maybe you're duplicating effort here. And, it, and it, there's a creepiness factor to that. But I mean, it's, it makes sense that the cloud can see this. Sure. And can, and can help us. It's incredibly powerful. And I definitely had that initial experience when I was a platform owner at an organization and Dell came out where, you know, they had concerns, big brother concerns, and yeah. they didn't really embrace it for the intelligence it could offer. Well, Microsoft handled that pretty well. They rebranded it to Viva Insights. Right. So maybe people will like it more now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and he, exactly. Like this should be an insights thing, but it's also a rec- I, what I appreciate about the Viva story as it starts to emerge to us more and more is this understanding of, let the machine, you, you can't avoid the machine seeing the data flow, but can we get the people out of it so you don't, you're not spying on anyone? Can you create automation that says, direct this in the right way? You know, they, that it is equal, it, that it is non-discriminatory, that it's literally based on an, on an algorithm of facts about people's behavior and work that determines those things. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, when I, I've spent enough time as an IT person dealing with things like harassment in email, where it's literally my job to read these emails and identify them, that they are harassing and begin a process on that. And that is an invasion of privacy, but it's also it was a requirement for the job. And the idea that we're at a point now technologically where that harassment should be raised by the system itself. And again, in, in hopefully a non-discriminatory manner. But, you know, that it seems to be where we are. And it's an interesting, you know, challenge to our work is that there are places where privacy has to be stepped on uh, uh, because of prote- protecting others uh, and liability to the organization. Um, and hopefully we, you know, but then you, you're counting on people to be more altruistic than they probably are. And so I, in some ways, I prefer the machine to do this just because at least we know what the algorithm will do in theory. Yeah. There's some risks, though, going back to our earlier conversation of what happens when you're the path of least resistance, yes. giving all these answers. All of a sudden, that algorithm is going to think you're responsible for all that all stuff that and stuff. everything gets routed to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a little scary to think about. <laughs> it's true. And, and also, I realized I just casually said this. I'm going to trust the system to make sure this news gets to the right place. Yeah. And I, I don't imagine anybody who had a news story that really mattered to them would believe that. They would, who saw this story? And as soon as you don't have confidence in the distribution mechanisms, your answer is always send it to everyone. Yeah, great point. Which is not constructive either, because then we create so much noise, nobody's reading any of them. Definitely. This is an this is a good problem, Emily. I thought we'd just have a fun chat about new stuff, and it'd be great. But now, <laughs> now I'm dealing with philosophical philosophical con, uh, constructs and and HR challenges. <laughs> oh my goodness! It it is interesting how an internet reflects culture, though. Too that and it, and part one for me has worked in a lot of different companies is that our culture is intentional. Like every place has a culture, one way or the other. And often it's not, you're not giving it your best view of your culture when you, when you don't make it intentional, but when it is intentional, these are one of the mechanisms, like an intranet. Like, I, I just don't think it's that minor of a thing. It seems, it's easy for it to seem superfluous. And actually it's like, actually it's a really a reflection of our culture and it will help new people get integrated and reinforce the positive aspects of our organization if we do it well. Absolutely. And I know 
So many people have had that awkward first week at a job too, where you have that downtime in mm-hmm. between meetings and you're not responsible for anything yet. So what are you supposed to do while you're at your desk? Yeah. If you have an intranet that reflects your company culture and has all of your news, they can come up to speed so much faster by having access to all of that historical information. Yeah, for sure. And, and at least that's more curated. I've also found, talked to folks who are new to the organization. It's like, you know what was really powerful? Reading old team chats. Mm. For certain projects, certain elements, and seeing it wasn't just where we are now, but how we got there was in the chat. Although it's not terribly efficient. Like you got to read for a long time. There's a lot of other stuff around any given Teams chat before you really see those nuggets that were, this is when the decision was made. This is how we got to that place. Sure. And that brings you to a different level of understanding the people that you're working with too and the different personalities and influence. Yeah, no, I really, I really appreciate that power of that, that persistent chat, that searchable chat, uh, as well as what we put on our internet. Because in some ways, the, the the orthogonality between those two things, like you want to know the whole culture, look at the chat, look at what's on the on the internet. Do these two sync? Like, did they make sense? Do the are the tones similar? Are the summary similar? Like, what are we closest to in reality? Like, do you know, are we actually talking about the things that we say we believe when that show up on the internet in one way or another? Not just HR stuff, but how we talk about projects and all of that. Like, now I feel like I want to steer more, I want to steer a CXO to a certain amount of time in looking at that and saying, do you really know where your culture is? Have you read these things? That's a good point because your internet could be more aspirational. Yeah. And I would argue should be. Mm hmm. Right. Let's what we organize into our internet, into those static pages, and into that flow are the best version of ourselves. And then what we see in our chat, in our yammers, and our and our and our teams chats and so forth is the reality on the ground. And then we press ourselves to try and be as good as the way we describe ourselves in our internet. Definitely. And you thought it was just news. <laughs> So where folks, where can folks find more information? I've grabbed some links off of the SharePoint site for the news part and the audience targeting mechanisms and things like that. But where do you send folks when they want to know more? So I have two initiatives that fall under the patterns and practices umbrella that I would love to highlight. Sure. One one of them is called uh, Microsoft Community Content. I mentioned it a little bit earlier in mm-hmm. the call. Essentially, it is community-driven articles, but it lives on the docs.microsoft.com umbrella. Right. And there's a lot in here, like the maturity model for Microsoft 365. I know if you want to learn more about how to decide where to have those org-wide communications like we were touching on earlier. I wrote an article called How to Share Org-wide Communication in Microsoft 365, and that goes over deciding based on company culture, size, audience, persistent of message, intent of communication, and integration. Now, another thing, once you've kind of explored Microsoft community content and decided the why behind the different decisions you're going to make. If you want to start implementing some of them, like writing better content for your internet and your news, then I highly recommend joining us at the Sharing is Caring Writing for the Web course. Sharing is Caring is a hands-on free learning opportunity where we try to remove barriers for people to be more involved in the community. So the first thing we did when we started it was 
a session for first-time contributors because we realized GitHub gets in the way of people contributing samples to Microsoft 365 community. Sure. So now we have a wider variety. Of course, writing for the web is not going to necessarily be technically based. It's a lot of user experience, best practices. And that is actually starting this June. We have two dates. So it's a brand new session. It's about an hour and a half. Awesome. So yeah, we can grab we can grab those and uh, and uh, help folks get on board uh, and learning more. And where can folks find you if you got a blog that you want to share? Or oh, I do. That's a great question. Yeah. So uh, I blog at emilymancini.com. Mm-hmm. and then I'm a big fan of keeping the conversation open. So always up for people to reach out to me on Twitter and have conversations about the problems you're trying to solve. My handle is ee mancini. Awesome. Emily, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really fun conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was great. Always happy to talk about news. Yeah, you bet. And we'll talk to you next time on Run Ads Radio.